go with Law and Gospel this Tuesday, the hymn, Lord, Keep Us Steadfast in Your Word. Who wrote the hymn? Martin Luther. So we don't have to say too much about him. No, Catherine Winkworth was the translator again. Yes. And also there was an arranger. Yes. Um, yeah, Joseph Klug? No, Hans Leo Hassler. Oh, I see. Right. He um born 1564, died in 1612, and he did a, a lot of um, German chorales. In fact, um, one booklet had 52 four-part settings. Another one had 88 settings of German chorales, and he's known as a, a, a ranger. So that, that's kind of interesting. So now we need to go to the hymn itself. It's not a very long hymn. And I'm trying to figure out why it wasn't playing because I had the mic right up to the speaker, but we'll see. Okay. Why don't you read the first stanza? Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would wrest the kingdom from your son and bring to naught all he has done. Now, the background of this hymn is very interesting. Uh, in 1520, the Ottoman Turks expanded their empire. And in fact, in 1541, they captured the predominantly German city of Buda, now part of Budapest. And after the loss of Buddha, Elector Johann Friedrich instructed Luther and his pastor, Johann Bugenhagen, to encourage pastors to pray for protection against the Turks. And so Luther wrote in 1541 a kind of a paper on this, and attached to it was, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Now, later on, there was a scholar who said, no, that didn't really appear till later on. So there is some, oh, confusion as to when it did occur. But the fact of the matter is, it's really interesting to see how different it is from the original. Because in the original, I don't know if you ever had sung this, but it was a hymn against the two arch enemies of the church at that time, and that was the Pope and the Turks. And the first stanza has been changed. Here was what the original first stanza read. Preserve us, Lord, in your word, and restrain the murder of the Pope and Turks who would cast down Jesus Christ, your son, from your throne. Now, that's been changed quite a bit. Uh, what did you read in the first stanza? Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit 
or sword would wrest the kingdom from your son and bring to naught all he has done. So that's quite a different change than the original. And that was done in the 1941 hymnal Mm -hmm. where they made that change. So do you notice something about the three stanzas? Yeah, they're all talking about different different persons of the of the deity. Uh, God the Father, the first verse. God the Son, right. the second verse. God the Holy Spirit, the third. Yeah, excellent. So they're Trinitarian in form. And what's really important about that is, of course, Luther was a tremendous hymn writer. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how many hymns that he wrote. Uh, and it was pretty close to 50 different hymns and settings. So this one here, we can sing this today because we have a situation where the church is being attacked, not so much by Turks, although overseas that's true, but they're being attacked here in the United States by many, many people who are not part of the church and no longer want to hear what the church has to say and is trying to stop the church from doing its task. Yeah, that would come under, that would come under the, uh, the enemies by the sword. Uh, and and the ones that are maybe within the church, the enemies that may be within the church would be uh, covered under the word deceit, who by deceit would wrest the kingdom from your, your son. Give an example of deceit that could occur within the church. Oh, when you've got you've got let's say maybe unfaithful uh, unfaithful clergy that. Uh, undermine the teachings of God's word Excellent. On, ba- on baptism or, right. or even, you know, basic teachings. Yeah, we've said in the Missouri Synod that the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, at their official level is no longer even Lutheran because they don't see the necessity for reaching out to Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims with the message uh, on the grounds that we don't know how people are converted by God. And so it is an act of disrespect to do mission work among individuals that are not Christian. That's kind of one example. Yeah. Notice what we're supposed to remain steadfast in. Steadfast in in God's word. Right. Now, the word word can have different meanings. What are they? Well, you've got the word made flesh, which is none other than Jesus himself. Yes. And then, of course, the word is often referred to as the Bible. The word of God, right. Yes. And so I, I find it interesting that um, Catherine Winkworth says, curb those 
who by deceit or word or sword or sword. Uh, the word curb what does yes. she mean by that restrain yes in fact that's the first use of the law in lutheran theology remember that mm -hmm. yes it's to curb wickedness and it's the task of the government so the church also curbs deceit or people who attempt by the sword to destroy the Christian church. So yeah, we have that today where, you know, we've got uh, people that will try to burn down the burn down the church buildings or perhaps those that will uh, not allow others to worship in a given community, something like that. Exactly. And what they're really trying to do here is to get them to, as the text says, bring to nothing all that God the Father has done. And I, I think one of the ways they're trying to do it is by means of evolution. I just cannot believe people believing in evolution. There's no scientific evidence for it. Uh, because it's based on historic science where they have to make up how many years for these things to come into being because they presume everything was nothing and everything evolved, even human beings from amoebas, little, little creatures. And once you buy into that nonsense, then you have millions and millions of years that the earth had to be in place. And this is definitely disagreeing with the historic accounts of creation as found in Genesis. I can't agree with you more, Tom. Absolutely. So go ahead with stanza two. Lord Jesus Christ, your power made known. Or rather, Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known. For you are Lord of Lords alone. Defend your holy church that we may sing your praise eternally. So, who is the individual that really defends the church? Is it the pastor? Is it the laity? No, it's who? It's Jesus Christ. That's right. And how does he defend that church? He defends it by having the word of God spoken and therefore believe in the word of God, namely the Holy Bible, and defends the teachings of the church. And yeah, defending the church uh, from its enemies, as well as... Uh, continue to empower his ministry here here on earth. Yes. His defense occurs through using the word of God. We, we cannot use reason or intelligence to try and persuade people uh, to believe what the Bible has to say. Because until you have faith, the whole Bible sounds ridiculous. It doesn't sound like it's true at all. And that's something that we have to 
kind of keep in mind. Therefore, the only thing that helps people come to a proper understanding of God's will for them is the word of God, which many times kind of seems ridiculous. Uh, last week, there was an interesting Matthew where it says, the first will be last and the last will be first. My question in the sermon was, do you want to be part of the first or part of the last? Uh, what do you think most people thought? <laughs> I would think most people want to be first. Well, actually, the first are those who complain about their wages because the last who only worked one hour got the same wage that they did. And so a lot of them would say, I'd like to be part of the last where I don't have to put in that much work and yet I get the same payment. And I, in the sermon showed, it didn't matter whether you were first or last because both of them got paid and the ones that murmured against God were really, even Christians murmur against God. In fact, I said, that's the definition of sin. Every time you sin, you are murmuring against God. Uh, can you explain that? Yeah, and it's on the basis of thinking that you deserve on, on your own merit. See, the, the workers, the workers yep. that were disappointed at the end because they were made equal with all the others that only worked an hour. They thought, well, I earned more. I, I, I merited more by my hard labor throughout the, throughout the day. Well said. Yeah. In fact, I, I use this to show that you really cannot run a business on the basis of the Bible. No, no. No, I had, in fact, I had a parishioner once that told me the church has to be run uh, like a business. It was a, it was a fine Christian, but I, I had to explain to him, no, not at all, because right. uh, you don't run the. It, it may be run business like, and that by that we mean in an orderly way, as orderly as possible. But you know, uh, I'll give you an example where a church is not run like a business. Uh, you may have to drop all sorts of, infra, uh, of of important work at the office one day that needs to be done to go out and visit a, a, a humble uh, a, a humble person that's right on the fringe of the church maybe not even a member and yet they're in dire straits and they need they need ministry for their soul's salvation you may have to drop everything for that well that 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 type of uh, of, of that would never work in the business world. No. In fact, the point I was making is you don't run the business either on the basis of the Bible when the Bible is talking about how God operates in the church. And the example I gave, you're a manager at McDonald's and you hire women at six in the morning, then you hire men at 10, one, and five, and at six o'clock when they all leave, you give them all the same wage. You would be called upon by the government in breaking the laws of the land. And yet you yeah. can't say, well, I'm just following what Matthew said, that when you hire people, 
doesn't matter how long they work, they get they get all the same salary. So we need to distinguish between the two kingdoms. That's right. God has a different set of rules in the temporal kingdom than he does in the spiritual kingdom. That's right. So that's why a lot of people have trouble with Christianity because it doesn't make any sense like that parable. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've seen the Father in stanza one. We've seen Jesus in stanza two. Now read stanza three in the Holy Spirit, please. Okay. O comforter of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. Now, when Luther wrote this, of course, he was thinking of the Turks that were about ready to attack Germany, etc. How does the Holy Spirit help in those attacks? Well, he, he, he gives us, as it says, O comforter of priceless work, he gives us comfort in the face of uh, such an onslaught. Well said. Uh, and what he, most... and he, also, he also sends us peace and unity. Uh, he unifies us as a church. He emboldens us. What do most people think when something bad happens to them or they undergo suffering or war? What's their first thought about God? Why is God doing this to me? Why is he permitting this? Um, yes. Is God, is God punishing me for something? Well said, exactly. And that's why the Holy Spirit's task is to use the Father, the Son, the Word of God to send peace and unity on earth. In other words, we're going through a virus illness right now in the United States, but that doesn't mean that God isn't giving us the peace that comes from trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's right. In fact, he he especially helps us in times of in times of difficulty. And that's because one of the reasons for suffering is so that we are drawn back to God. It, it's kind of like a two-year-old. A two-year-old likes to be independent, but boy, if they fall down and hurt their knee or something they immediately call out mommy, daddy in order for help. Or if there's a big storm and they're asleep in their own room and they wake up afraid, they call out mommy and daddy. And that's the way God uses suffering to bring us to a closer relationship to him. And that suffering is offset by the promises that he gives us. Can you think of any promises that result in comfort in the time of suffering? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Yep. Um, That's a promise he makes. Why will he never leave? What kind of person will he not leave? Well, he, 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 we're talking about his own children. He, exactly. We're talking about his, his children, his, his baptized, his, uh, his believers. His children. 
Yes. And how did you become a child of God? Through baptism. Yes. I try and bring in baptism and the Lord's Supper in every sermon, because those are the means of grace through which we are comforted and brought to peace. And so that's really, really good news. Anything else on this hymn you want to share? Let's see. Well, the, the passages that are noted, the one that I think of, John eight thirty one, where Jesus says, he says, if you, uh, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's important to continue in his word. Uh, it's so very important uh, that we yes. remain in his word. I, I, I can liken that to children who are afraid, and the parents come in, and they comfort and so insofar as the children now trust their parents, their fear subsides and they are comforted. That's the same way that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work because we have nothing to fear from God the Father because he will not hold us accountable for our sins because through Jesus they have been forgiven. So that's really the good news of this particular hymn. This hymn is used on a couple of Sundays, but it's also an appropriate hymn for Reformation. Yeah, Tom, you may, you may know that uh, one of the other programs that's on KFUO is Concord Matters, and they use this hymn uh, as their uh, bumper music. Right, exactly. All right, thank you very much, Mark Smith, for helping us understand this hymn on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. We're going to be taking a look again at C.F.W. Walther's distinctions between law and gospel. We're about halfway through the lectures. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.